Where are the VP and director level jobs in the wireless infrastructure industry and how much do they pay? For answers, stay tuned. But first, a few words from our sponsors, Nexius and Telecom Careers. Nexius, accelerating network and business transformation. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Welcome to this week's episode of Telecom Careers Insider. Today we have wireless infrastructure executive recruiter Paul Harris joining us. He is president of Global Recruiters of Blackhawk. Paul, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Well, Paul, before we dive into today's discussion, I'm going to talk a little bit about some recent projections that uh, will impact the supply and demand of, um, of, of wireless infrastructure people and ultimately uh, VP and directors. So let me run through those real quick and then we'll dive into our discussion today. Is that okay? Sure. Thanks so much. Well, our friend in Austin, uh, Ian Gillett, he's president of IGR Research. He recently came out with a report that projected U.S. carriers are going to spend $212 billion dollars Oh, actually, a million dollars over the next uh, five years for wireless infrastructure. Gartner uh, recently re released a report that the mobile data traffic has grown 59% year over year, reaching 52 uh, million terabytes. That's 52 million terabytes. And uh, they're quoted as saying mobile data traffic is soaring worldwide and uh, more than tripling by the year 2018. And that was Jessica Eckholm, who's research director of, 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 uh, at Ed Gartner. Uh, they're projecting that um, with fast mobile data connections, both 3G and 4G, they're going to slow down from uh, the growth is going to slow down from 3.8 billion in 2015 to 5.1 billion in 2018 as users switch from slower networks to more data-centric networks. Uh, another point, Paul, was in June uh, this year, Sprint announced a plan to add 70,000 small cells, which their CEO Marcelo said. Uh, will result in Sprint having the number one or two network in each major market nationwide. Um, what's interesting though, is they followed that announcement with a plan to cut uh, 2.5 billion in operating expenses. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that while they announced 70,000 uh, small cells, they haven't announced their, their vendors yet, but that's coming. Uh, IDC projects that IoT spending will reach 1.7 trillion by 2020. You know, yesterday we did a program on industrial IoT and Accenture projected that um, the GNP of the top 20 markets worldwide or top 20 uh, uh, countries global-wide could see an increase of their GNP by 14.2 trillion based upon growth of industrial IoT. So those are big numbers. And then finally, um, uh, Cheetan Sharma gave a great presentation at the uh, uh, competitive carrier show last week that showed some really interesting slides that we've circulated on our website. So I'd, I'd invite people to go to Cheat and Sharma's website or check out RCR Wireless News for some statistics on uh, CapEx and, and data growth over the next uh, couple of years. But uh, let's jump into today's discussion. Uh, Paul, you know, you and I met at a wireless infrastructure show either last year or the year before, and I was impressed by your really focus on wireless infrastructure jobs only. So um, I'm kind of curious, what do you make of some of these projections and what do you see happening in, in hiring in 2015 and what do you expect to see in 2016? Yeah, Jeff, well, thank you so much a ton of, and by the way, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. By the way, I got a, a email from Mark Gansey this morning and he said, uh, tell Jeff three things. Number one, 
uh, tell him hi, tell him he's a great guy, tell him to take it easy on me. <laughs> so, <laughs> actually, the first two he actually said, the second, the third one I made up. So, anyways, yeah, there's a ton of uh, a ton of statistics there, Jeff. And you know, let me go to the the big the big picture. So, uh, obviously. Um, wireless infrastructure build out has been great for many, many years, right? 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G. And it's absolutely, you know, the data tsunami is going to continue uh, unabated, right? So, um, you know, the kids are not going to be stopped stop downloading their YouTube videos from their smartphones. You've got grandparents now FaceTiming with their grandkids, you know, IoT, Internet of Things, connected car, you know, none of this stuff is going to wait. And so, the uh, the build out has been great. It, it has to continue. Obviously, there's been a little bit of slowdown for the past, you know, six, 12, 18 months with AT and T. Obviously, um, T, uh, uh, sorry, Sprint, as you mentioned, we're all kind of waiting what see what they're going to do. But the bottom line is they've the, all four wireless carriers have to continue to build out. Marganzi at uh, CTIA at the Tower and Small Cell Summit during his speech, he basically said, hey, you guys, you know, billions with a B, billions of dollars of investment is coming. Um, you know, Ron Bizzik from Tarpon Towers talked about the perfect storm, right? So the perfect storm he defines as uh, all four wireless carriers aggressively building out at the same time, which we haven't seen for a while, but it's definitely coming. So it's not a matter of uh, of if it's coming, it's obviously a matter of when, and it's gonna be, you know, a wonderful time for us in the wireless infrastructure. Uh, in infrastructure industry from a recruiting perspective and also for the people who are working in it. Well, let's take a step back again. Our, our goal today is to talk about the wireless infrastructure career opportunities with a specific focus on VP level and director levels. Why don't you maybe provide us uh, the way you look at the industry sure. and the ecosystem from your point of view? Sure, absolutely. So, so Jeff, in our office, we call it uh, you know, my orbit is the the four legs of the stool. So we'll talk about that in a second. So, but just to give everyone a real quick overview. So we recruit in three things, telecom, telecom, and telecom. We do a ton of wireless infrastructure. Um, I'm typically working, Jeff, with the, with the C-level folks, right? So the CEO, the COO, president, uh, board of directors, members. And yes, like you said, we're usually recruiting directors and VPs of sales, engineering, and operations. We do some one-offs as well, but you know we could go on forever for that and talk about that. But bottom line is that's where we play. the The orbit that I that I live in is the the we call it the four legs of the stool, right? So the four legs of the stool. Number one, obviously, where it all ends up, the tier one wireless carriers, AT and T, Verizon, Sprint, T Mobile, helping them build their system out, etc. The second leg of the stool is obviously the OEMs, right? The original equipment manufacturers, the Ericsons, the Alcatel, Lucent, Samsung, Nokia, Siemens. Um, ZTE, Huawei, et cetera, the companies that actually produce the equipment that are going, you know, in, in this in the cell site on the towers, et cetera. The third leg of the stool is obviously the tower companies, right? American Tower, Crown Castle, SBA, Global Tower Partners, before Mark sold to um, American Tower for $4.6 billion, but who's counting? Uh, but obviously, Digital Bridge is back in the mix, and they're doing well. Yeah. The fourth, you know, obviously very aggressive. So the fourth leg of the stool is what we call the service companies, the companies that are if they're fortunate enough, fortunate enough and lucky enough to um, have a direct relationship with with the tier one wireless carriers, so no one's quote stepping on their margin, right? But sometimes someone is stepping on their margin, and they'll be subcontracting through, you know, Crown Castle or um, Ericsson or something like that. That's where we play. Well, let's talk about the organizational structure, the big 
for operators as it relates to yeah. engineering roles and, and, and operations roles. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Jeff, so when we are recruiting people, what we're constantly trying to do is try to figure out who they know, what they know, et cetera. So here's what we're looking for. Um, and here's the way we look at the world. So n- number one, let, let's take it. Uh, let's take AT&T first. So AT&T, obviously, very, very, uh, you know, you know, pretty centralized. If, we, if we're hiring like a like a SVP person, you know, senior VP, you know, someone really, really strong. What we're trying to do is we're trying to find someone who's snuggled up pretty closely with uh, the people in either um, Dallas or Atlanta. If if they're more of a director position, we want to make sure that they have those um, those connections basically at the director level. So those would be the, uh, you know, Kieran, Kieran Nolan out West. It used to be um, Kevin Haynes in, in Central, not anymore. You know, Chris Bondurant, Barry Johnson, uh, you know, Cundiff, Petropola, uh, Mike Moss, um, you know, Mo Cataball. Those are the type of names that we're listening for as we're talking to someone. Do they really know, you know, do they know these people? Who do they know, et cetera? As you know, it's a lot. As you know, Jeff, it's a lot about who you know these days. Sure. The, the other thing I want to mention, Jeff, is that when, uh, so it was about what, a year ago, basically, I think it was last November that AT&T had what I call this, you know, mass retirement party, you know, so uh, who was it, you know, Bernie Carey and and, uh, and Chris Renee and and you know, Tim Harding, a whole bunch of people, you know, took the goodie bag and, you know, went and did, you know, something else. So clients will say to me, hey, Paul, you know, make sure that we call it the new regime versus the old regime. You know, so Paul, make sure they know people, you know, it was great that they knew the people in the old regime and, the, and they were great people. And, you know, but guess what? They're gone. So, you know, do they knew the, know the people in the new regime? And so the, uh, the names we're looking for is like, you know, Susan Johnson and, uh, and Veronica Bloodworth, et cetera. So, so that's AT&T. Um, in, in Sprint, obviously for years it was, hey, Paul, find us. If it's a real high level person, find someone who's snuggled up closely to uh, the, you know, Overland Park folks. Now with Masayoshi-san flying from Japan and kind of landing in San Francisco before he takes the trip over to uh, Overland Park, you know, a lot of the requests are coming in, you know, I make sure that they know, we know somebody in San Francisco. Hmm. If it's, if it's director position, then we're looking for, um, you know, the, the, the relationships with like Eamon or, you know, Santee or, um, you know, Hennigan and stuff like that. T-Mobile, pretty, pretty simple. You know, this, um, for, for years, it was just, you know, hey, find us the guy that that, uh, that is tight with uh, Dave Mayo, right? They, as they used to say, hey, you know, the guy with the checkbook, Dave Mayo. But I got to tell you, Jeff, you've seen him speak at these different uh, trade shows. And I'm telling you, I changed my mind or my opinion of him of just the guy with the checkbook. I mean, he's a C- SVP of technology, smart, smart cat, right? I mean, he, uh, well, I could go on. I'm a real fan of his. Not only does he do a great job on his speech, but when he's um, on a panel, you know, he's, you know, they're firing questions that he doesn't have time to repair for. And he, and he knocks the, the cover off the ball. So yeah. I'm, I'm saving fourth one. You know why, right? It's Verizon. You, you know it, Jeff, right? They're a different bird, right? And I don't say that in a, in a bad way. I mean, obviously Verizon system is wonderful, but as you know, this Jeff, right? They're highly, highly, highly decentralized. And so just because you're knocking the cover off the ball and you're in good with everybody in this, you know, 19 or 21 markets or regions or areas or whatever they call them these days, you know, it doesn't mean that you're, you're, um, you know, you're, you're good to go in other markets. Agree. So, so that, that's my world. That we're so going back to just uh, you know, the AT&T highly centralized, but then they have uh, how many regional directors would an AT&T have, for example? 
You know, I'm not I'm not so sure I know exactly how many regional directors they have. I, I just know that the, the names, if, if people start mentioning the names, Got it. I'm, you know, that's what I'm looking for. Generally, do they know people who go, you know, what's going on? And sometimes they'll say, hey, people, I don't know at this, you know, the regional director level, but let me tell you who I do know. And then, you know, we'll I'll call in my market and say, you know, can this person help, et cetera. So, yeah. And then how does that structure of a, of a carrier differ from the, the organizational structure of say a system integrator, a service provider? Well, Jeff, here, here's the point that I like to, like, like to mention when I when we talk about the, those type of folks. So as you know, what they try to do many, many times is they try to not necessarily obviously have a different structure than that. What they try to do is they try to mirror from a geographical perspective, how AT&T is laid out, how T-Mobile is laid out, how Verizon is laid out. Um, how Sprint is laid out. So they, they try to mirror it. So they'll even call um, if they say, hey, hey, somebody at AT&T, we just hired a director of, then they'll name the name of the exact region, market, whatever that that person is in charge of to try to mirror it. Got it. Well, uh, you know, one of the teasers on today's show is talking about pay ranges. How much do these jobs pay? And uh, <laughs> can you tell us about the pay ranges for direct level folks and VP level folks within those four uh, legs of stool you mentioned earlier. Sure, sure. Okay, so basically, let, let me kind of break it down because sales is a different bird, right, than than engineering and operations. So let me take it one at a time. Let's let's do sales. So, sales for for um, let's call it like a, a director of sales. And, and Jeff, let me make sure that I'm clear, and I make this sure with everybody that we're recruiting for, that we're uh, that we're talking to, that many times when it's a director position, I I will say, hey, dear Joe or Eddie or whatever, I want to make sure that you're clear up front. This is I call it a great title but you're an individual contributor, right? So you don't have any direct reports, you don't do any um, you know, job performance appraisals, et cetera, but it is a very, very big job. You're gonna be in charge nationally for this account, AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, T-Mobile, et cetera. So they're pretty big jobs. Um, the ranges that we see, Jeff, are, you know, it's gonna be a wide swath, so I'll try to, to, to kind of uh, pare it down a little bit, but let's call it 125 salary to 175 salary. That's where we see it. Frankly, we haven't seen a lot of 125s in a long time. So usually it's you know roughly around $150,000 salary. Um, and that's only 50-50 comp plan. So in other words, if it's 125 salary, it's another 125 upside. So a total target of 250. If it's 150 uh, salary, then it's 300. Um, if you get into the kind of the, the bigger, the higher echelon where they're getting 175 up to $200,000 for a, for an individual salesperson, obviously got to be very, need to be very, very strong. Then what we'll see, we don't usually see a 50, 50 comp plan. So 175 plus 175, what we'll usually see is maybe like, uh, you know, another 50% or something like that, because they may be required to do some coaching or whatever. So some other people unofficially. Um, or it'll be a flat fee, like 175 plus another 100,000. And those at-risk portions are usually based on, you know, you know, goals, hard goals. And then sometimes it's MBOs, right? Management by objectives. Right. Um, so that's what we see. For VPs, uh, you know, it's usually, uh, it's 175 to two and a quarter for VP. You know, you know, senior VP would maybe be at 250. And then the um, at-risk portion of the show would probably be a little bit lower as a percentage. It probably wouldn't be a hundred, uh, wouldn't be a 50-50 company because obviously their job is to coach their people, mentor, um, be out in the field with them, do strategic planning, et cetera. Right. Um, I'll, I'll switch to, uh, to the um, engineering operations real quickly. So obviously 
it's a different deal, right? Because they're not, you know, incentivized highly to go out there and kill it and sell, sell, sell like the, like the salespeople are. So what we'll see, you know, like, you know, director of, uh, you know, turfing director or something like that. What we usually see, Jeff, is like 140 to 170, uh, you know, salary. And then what we'll see is then a bonus on top of them. Those bonuses run from, you know, 25 to 35, as high as 40. So, you know, somewhere a, a bonus in the, in the 20 to 40 uh, range. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that, that, that's, that's the basic, r- roughly the, the base scale. And how would you compare, you know, working for an OEM or, or, or a um, um, system integrator versus a carrier? Yeah. Okay, Jeff. Well, here's what we found. What we find is that it's really not a big difference in terms of um, the, the compensation, salary, and bonus opportunity or something like that. I mean, and you can see this coming, right? What is it? it? It's basically benefits, right? So if you're working for an AT&T or an Ericsson, right, you know, great benefits at Ericsson, great, great benefits at AT&T. If you're working for a you know, I'm just going to exaggerate, you know, $25 million, $50 million company that's not public, et cetera. You're probably not going to have the same benefits. You may not have a 401k. Uh, you're definitely not going to have stock options. You're not definitely not going to have those, um, th- those golden handcuffs. The other thing to mention in that, in those kind of different tiers and those four different buckets of four different legs of the stool is sometimes it, it's a prestige thing, right? Some people will say to me, Paul, you know, it's got to be, you know, Ericsson or AT&T, or you can forget talking to me or something like that. And some people will say to me, uh, hey, Paul, I work for a, you know, a big, large tier one, you know, get me the heck out where I can really, really uh, affect change, make a difference, et cetera. So, so the, so the prestige and status is, is different depending on, on who you're talking to. Got it. Exactly. Well, let's talk about career progressions. You know, um, we don't all start out as a director of VP. You know, what, let's start with the VP of sales. What types of people... What's the career path look like in that VP level role? And what types of things have you seen in your career? You've been doing this a long time. Tend yeah. to continue to uh, uh, making these guys or gals most successful. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, in my orbit, it, it goes like this. And, and I'm not so sure that we could, you know, point to, you know, all that many people that say, hey, Paul, I started as a construction manager. Then it was a pro- I was a project manager. I was a senior project manager. I was a program manager. I was a director of VP and now I'm an SVP. I don't know how many times that comes along because sometimes, you know, somebody comes out of, a, you know, college and they're with an MBA and someone in the top says, wow, this guy's a smart person, you know, smart gal, smart guy, put him over here. So, um you know, it's it, it's it's hard to say if that if that is indeed the the progression. But what we we do see that, and what else we see is sometimes people will say, and, and candidates will, or I mean, clients will say, "Hey, Paul, you know, find me someone you know that's a salesperson that does this and does this and knows these people." And guess what? I'm way okay if they came out of engineering and operations. You know, there's there's a certain um, uh, how do I say it without sounding bad? So you know, sometimes salespeople, oh, he's a salesperson, right? And some people will say. Um, you know, hey, this guy came from, you know, what we do. We, he, we know that he knows what we do. He's just never, he's, he hasn't sold it, but he's done it. And sometimes candidates want to do that. They want to take that step into sales. And sometimes clients say, hey, Paul, yeah, find me a person um, with that built-in credibility. And no one can look him in the eye and say, ah, what do you know? You've never done it before. You sold it. You've actually never done it. So we see that a lot as well. Got it. And how about progression within the, in, in the engineering you know, where do folks kind of start and how do they move up? And then we'll compare and contrast that to the operation side. Yeah. Well, I, I think with, uh, with, with engineering operations, it's a little bit different in terms of with operations people, many times they have a chance to, to go in, into sales 
Um, they, they get into you know different upper level management. Same same thing with um, with the engineering people. Um, the, the you know they can obviously go up the ranks, and you see some really really smart people matriculate through the system, etc. Um, the, the the difference is that where we mostly see the engineers getting into sales, they're usually go from a, an engineering person to a sales engineer, right? A um, solutions architect, et cetera, you know, the highly technical sales where the, where the salespeople will bring them in and say, hey, listen, yeah. I got this appointment, <laughs> right? I got this appointment, but man, I'm going to be lost when those engineers start talking to me. Can you come and join us and, and help us out? So we see that progression from engineer a lot to sales engineer to sales. Got it. Um, let's move on to, to, to what's going on outside the United States. And I, you know, we'll, we'll pick on Gansey since you brought his name up earlier. You know, when he sold Volatel Partners, he, he kept those Mexico assets yeah. that certainly have seen SBA move more aggressively into Latin America. America Tower has been aggressive all over the world. But it's kind of interesting now. You saw in China where they formed a, a tower company now, I think, has a million towers on their own, which is kind of not our traditional three or four tower owners here in the U.S. And yeah. in other parts of the world, India, you've seen some emergence of some new players in the, the tower ownership business. But what does that mean to uh, folks in the U.S., whether it be in sales or engineering, that might be looking for opportunities locally? Sure. Yeah, Jeff, great question. Thank you. So so you know what's going on outside of the U.S. So there's a lot of talk about, you know, what's happening in, in emerging markets and then, you know, LATAM, Mexico, et cetera. So I'll try to kind of do it a little bit you know, more globally, so to speak. But the bottom line is that, you know, if you go to these trade shows and you hear uh, the, C, the CFOs for, or, or the CEOs for American Tower, Crown Castle, SBX, et cetera, talking. Basically, what's happening is the, the emerging markets, depending on where they are, are between five to 15 years behind where we are in the United States. So, so right, we've seen this movie and we know how, how it ends. There's going to be a ton, ton, ton of growth. There's going to be a ton of jobs created. I'd say Mexico, probably five years behind us, you know, some other places, 15 years behind us. And in terms of the investment and these, these, you know, the, the presidents of, of the, you know, American Tower, Crown Castle, SBA, et cetera, along with their CFOs are always constantly measuring, uh, you know, market risks, um, you know, dollar fluctuation, uh, the political climate, et cetera. And that's why you see, you know, ATC, um, SBA, um, Digital Bridge, et cetera, going in and, and, and Crown Castle, not so much. Um, but I guess for the sake of this conversation is, you know, there's, you know, we, we've seen us go from 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G. We're going to see the same thing. I, I heard a statistic. I can't remember. I think it was at, at CTIA when I when I when I heard somebody say this. I can't remember what it was. But in the United States, there's about a thousand subscribers per cell site. Once again, a thousand subscribers per cell site in Latin America. It's seven thousand subscribers per cell site. So obviously, you know, is that called pent up demand? I think it's called pent up demand. And that's why you see um, a lot of investment by, you know, Gansey and these other people going in, into those markets. You see uh, AT&T who invested $4 billion to, to buy a use of cell and Nextel Mexico and committed another $3 billion to build up, build up the LTE, um, uh, you know, roadmap, obviously, in, in, in all uh, nine regions down there in Mexico. And actually, we're recruiting in all nine regions of, of Mexico. Um, you know, and the, the difference uh, of that and like, let's say, Brazil is that, um, uh, you know, like Carlos Slim, he's, you know, he, he dominates 70 percent of Mexico, whereas, um, you know, AT&T only has 10 percent, whereas in Brazil, it's a lot more even. So just for example, four carriers times 25 percent 
a little more evenly distributed than right. Mexico with cartels only only seven. Anyways, sorry, Jeff, for rambling, but man, tons, tons, tons of. Uh, I guess the question, though, Paul, is how portable are the engineering skills you've gained here in the U.S. to Latin America or India or other parts of the world? How portable are those skills? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the answer is absolutely transferable. And you will find companies that are looking for, as they call expats, right, to be a CEO of this company or a CTO of this company, et cetera. So you get you get these guys uh, or, or women that, you know, know how to build a system out. They know the, and, and, the, and, and the biggest thing is, right, they've done it, right? They've done it before. And people will play that, pay them a truckload of money to say, hey, listen, you know, and they say, well, I can't speak Spanish or I can't speak, you know, Portuguese or whatever. They say, hey, don't worry. That's not a problem. You just go down there. And uh, and, you know, and then we'll find the local people. And we're you know, in the process right now of finding the local people that um, really, really know the market and can really help as We call it truncate the process. Right. Um, you know, I've done it before. I know who to go to. I know who all the subcontractors are. I know who the good ones are, the bad ones are, et cetera. I'll help you um, build this thing very quickly. So, yeah, the, the skills are wildly transferable. Yes. Well, you mentioned the CTO and CEO. How about the project managers and design engineers, are those skills transferable? Are you starting to see placements of, you know, um, middle-level folks, individual contributors within engineering and operations? Yeah. Are they being sought out because they have the experience and because some of these markets are 10 to 15 years behind the U.S. building? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they, they need people all up, all throughout the value chain from construction managers to project managers to directors, et cetera. Um, and then they, once again, they, you know, from from the level that we recruit, like I said, directors and VPs, they're really looking for someone who can, you know, like I said, help me truncate the process, help me find the person who can get in and then just help me build a team because they know the local talent, they know the local ordinances. You know, there's you know, there's weird stuff that happens in different in different yeah. markets, right? Okay. Well, we're running up on the back end of our time here, but a couple things, you know, when you're when you're talking to more junior folks and what advice do you give them to, to say, here's some of the things you should do if you want to break into that that next level of being a director or VP, mm -hmm. uh, what do you recommend they do? Well, Jeff, you know, you could probably guess this, what was coming here. So there's what we really try to do. There are three things that, that, that the companies are looking for in people that we recruit right now. So obviously it's a very tight market, right? In other words, they're very, I won't call them picky, I'll call them very, very selective and they, and they should be. So what they're looking for is number one, um, and, and as you know, they, they have to be great at what they do, right? They, have, they can't be just good at what they do. They have to be great at what they do. Number two is they have to be connected, right? Companies are saying, Paul, find me the guy that's so well connected that when I call up, you know, ABC company, they're going to say to me, hey, if you don't hire that guy, you're an idiot. You got to get him. And also we'll probably give you some more work because he's in on the case. We know things are going to go well. So that's the second thing. You got to be well connected. Number three is you have to have a wonderful, wonderful, great, great reputation. And that's what I alluded to here just a second ago. People need to know you call in and say, yeah, got to hire this person. Let's go. And so what I would obviously um, advise people to do is obviously be great at what you do. Study, learn, um, grow, get your connections and obviously develop yourself a great reputation. Well, let's talk about, you know, social media has changed the way companies recruit, whether it be LinkedIn or otherwise. Um, how is what advice do you give folks relative to how they manage their social media present and uh, to find new or find new opportunities? Sure, sure, absolutely, Jeff. So obviously, um, you know, social media has changed the way you know everything works in our world. I, I must tell you, from, from our perspective, it hasn't really changed a lot in terms of what how we do what we do. So in other words, I get a job order from somebody, 
I will be thinking in my head while I'm getting, oh my gosh, I know the perfect person. If I don't, what I do is I pick up the phone and I call into my network and I say, hey, I got a client looking for this person that does this, 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 and lives there. Who should I be talking to? They give me their phone number, say, hey, tell them I said hi, you know, and then uh, we, we, call, we call them up. So it hasn't changed our world a lot, but I will tell you that obviously from this perspective, obviously Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, but you know, obviously LinkedIn is the big one for us. Uh, I mean, I mean, us in the recruiting industry. And I think the, the biggest difference is that, you know, 20 years ago, if you said to your boss, hey, boss, I'm going to post my resume, you know, on, on, on every lamppost and every, you know, everywhere, they're going to say, well, you're crazy. You can't do that, you know. Um, and, and now it's, it's, it's socially acceptable, right, to, uh, to, to do that. And, and your, your online resume is, is out there for the world to see. And you definitely want to, I would encourage everybody to have it built out, make sure it's clear what you do, make sure those keywords are in there. So if somebody's searching for a person that does this and this and this, your um, name will, you know, your name will pop up in a search. Got it. Well, we are out of time, but I do have one final question for you. And then uh, how do people get in touch with you or, or see what types of positions you're currently uh, looking to recruit and fill? Sure, absolutely. So you can find me on LinkedIn, right? Paul, and you type, type in Paul Harris, uh, Blackhawk, or recruiter, or you know, GRN, or something like that. I'm sure you'll find me, and all my contact information is, is there. The other thing I like to mention, Jeff, um, is that we, whenever I go to a trade show, I come back and I do a, a video review. Um, so, you know, we love our, our our daily dose of RCR. We appreciate everything you guys do and we read it every day, but there's nothing like being in a trade show. So we go to several, several trade shows and all those trade shows, uh, I give like a 10, 15 minute summary. Those are on our LinkedIn group, along with all of the uh, jobs where we put, we post all our, our jobs. And that is um, telecom and wireless global network. So once again, telecom A-N-D and telecom and wireless global network. Got it. Well, I do want to give one plug. I'm in St. Louis today, Paul, and I actually meet with a company called Local Power Network. So um, they provide, um, they actually build and design networks for folks. They've been doing a lot of work for uh, carriers. They, they told me this morning they visited 13,000 uh, cell towers for clients over the past couple of years. Uh, and then they have a software package called Ocular IP that monitors circuits and provides a, a portal so that you can see what kind of performance you're getting off circuits. So I couldn't, couldn't help but give a, a little quote from my friends there at uh, Local Backhaul Networks. Um, and I want to thank you for joining us today. And I want to thank everybody else for joining us on this week's episode of Telecom Careers Insider. Paul, have a great week. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. To reach Jeff Mucci or to suggest a show topic, you can reach him at jmucci at rcrwireless.com. For all telecom-related news and information, please visit rcrwireless.com. To connect with the industry's top talent, please visit telecomcareers.net.